listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 116 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Novicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our returning guest tonight is a musician, film historian, and author of order of over 40 published books. He's probably the most well-known as the first American to author the new James Bond novels from 1996 to 2002, when he wrote six original 007 novels and three film novelizations. His acclaimed series, The Black Stiletto, is currently in development, and his most recent thriller, Hotel Destiny, A Ghost Noir, is available now. Raymond Benson, welcome back to Amazon on a very, hey. quick, turn- on a very quick turnaround. But yeah. uh, you, you hit me up with an idea, and I liked it, so I said, why not? That's, well, that's, you know, we're coming that, up against the anniversary of the of the event. So that's uh, that's it's that's the nice thought, thing about being in charge, too, is I can just make those command decisions and no one's going to go, hey, you shouldn't do that. You know, and, and well, usually not out loud anyway, usually it doesn't bite me in the ass. Well, yeah, that's true. For, I mean, thank you, you for can, having me back. It's always yeah, fun. Yeah, you so. can say it all you like, but it's not going to make change my mind. Usually. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's always a lot of fun. You're always Good. welcome. back. Good. <laughs> What's with you? Good. I have a feeling, have a feeling Latham hates my movies again tonight. Oh, oh boy! Oh boy! It. Here we go. We better. Uh, we better suffer. I didn't hate your last movie. We we better suffer from consumption. Latham, I don't remember what his last movies were. Uh, his last movies were Badlands and, and Duck Soup. And Duck Soup. No, and I didn't hate either of those movies. See, I didn't go. love them, but I didn't hate. Them. <laughs> so suffer we will latham i saw two movies I oh saw, well one i've seen a million times but i got to show it to my daughter and i hadn't seen it in a while so i was curious if we'd still be in my top 20 of all time roadhouse no not roadhouse that's <laughs> that's too bad that's probably right <laughs> around 2250 to 2450 somewhere in there uh we watched uh, midnight run and, oh that's a good movie uh, that is Charles Grodin. Yeah, yeah, he's R.I.P. Go ahead, Raymond. I just said, R- rest in peace, Charles Grodin. Yeah, he just died last month, right? So, or uh, May, I think it was May. So, yeah, and and that's what I noticed most in watching it this time is his performance. It, it's sad that neither of them really got recognized by the Oscars for this. It, it's a brilliantly edited, directed, acted. I know they improvised a lot of stuff, but they picked the right stuff in the editing room. It's just so much fun. And my, you know, my daughter's 14 years old and laughing her ass off. So I know it's, you know, I know it's holding well over when was it released? 88. So, yep. um, 87 or 88. Yeah. 30, 30 yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. 
I remember seeing it in the theater like five times. Uh, me and my friend George would go, just me and him, and we knew all the lines. We knew all the parts to laugh loud, and it, it, it's just a classic. I love it. It's one of my favorites. What's the best line from the film? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, probably the – I think the funniest <laughs> – the funniest joke in the film for me where I laughed the loudest is when they, they pull the money scam at the little bar and he asks him if he dyes his hair and he says no. And then he, they show him looking at him and the way he's looking at him is just, I just lose it every time. So it's a nonverbal joke. For, as far as the line, probably uh, is this more on number one? Uh, put more on number two on the phone. That's, <laughs> That's a good one. My uh, favorite line so in that film so many, is, uh, so many good is the witness. And he's like, his real name's Mosley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm still rather partial to, <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm here, still in charge of your words. All right. Well, here come two words for you. Shut yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and you know, some of that's improvised. You know, you know, when, 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 uh, Mosley's subordinates come up to him and say, like, Oh, they could have jumped off anywhere from when they got on the train to here. He just looks at them. I mean, that's, that's just great. It's just great. Avocado is great. I haven't seen. Really? I haven't seen it in a long time. I guess oh, I haven't really, really seen it since then. So I need to see it again. But I remember really, really liking it. I why, aren't you, why aren't you liked by the Chicago Police Department? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the, yeah. he's asking. He's talking to him about a diet. Then he stops and he turns. And then he looks back and he's already asking this like three times. And he's like, why are you unpopular? You know, <laughs> the, the timing, the comic timing of those two is, uh, it, it's amazing too. Cause if you read the story of the movie, it was really hard on Groden, all the physical stuff. And it, it wasn't an easy movie to make, but, but the product eclipsed uh, the experience of making it. So um, yeah, definitely watch it again, Raymond. I think you, you definitely yeah. appreciate it. And we, you know, at that point, we really hadn't seen De Niro do much comedy. No, no. So that was kind That's of a absolutely rev- right. Yeah, because the king of comedy is not a comedy, correct? Well, it is a comedy. It's a very dark comedy. <laughs> We're gonna find out next week. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. that's good. I've never seen it. So. Oh, it's terrific. Me neither. It's terrific. It's one of my favorites. I, top oh. ten Scorsese for me. Wow. Then I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. So I saw that, and then um, last night I saw The Green Knight. Oh, how is that? Well, I don't know, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's the new movie by what's his name, Steve. Uh, uh, the guy who did a ghost story, Raymond. Oh, uh, really? And Pete's Dragon. What is his name? David, not David. Um, David Lowry. David Lowry. So, oh, wow. yeah, this was this uh, was supposed to come out last year. Correct. Two things. It will win the cinematography award easily. I mean, nothing is going to beat this movie. Just there's no way. There's no way. Uh, I mark my words on this podcast. It's already a done deal. Okay. Uh, secondly, it's just it's incomprehensible is the only way I can describe it. I it keeps your attention, but when it's over, I just I hate when a movie ends and I don't get it. And then I looked it up and I still didn't get it. And then some things didn't make sense, and I didn't get it. And that bothers me. It's definitely worth seeing. It's, I would say it's good. There's some great, you know, amazing performances in it. I didn't even know uh, what's-her-name was in it. Um, Alicia Vikander? 
Yeah, Alicia Vikander. I, I didn't even know, so that was a nice surprise. Uh, it's easily um, Dev Patel's best movie by far. By far. Huh? Well, it's I, I loved A Ghost Story. That's, Me too. I thought I it was not, I've not seen that yet, but I've, that, it's that, on it was my, one of my favorite films uh, when I when I of that year when I saw it. I yeah, was, me too. Me too. It's 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 not a movie that's easy to watch when you really start to think about it. It's unbelievably melancholy, but it's it's an just overall it's just an unbelievable film. Yeah, this is fairly melancholy as well. Uh, this is something you just got to see and then read about the poem it's based on and then read about what he was trying to do. I mean, if you get it without any of that, you're, you know, you're well, it's based on the green knight of the Arthurian legend, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, but, but he, he did some twists on it. And when I read okay. about the director, there seems to be some contradictions to who he claims to be as a person and stuff in this, in this story. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused, <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely worth a watch and it's probably worth a watch in a theater. It's, it's great. It's grandeur at times. It's like Blade Runner 2049. There's a scene in here where it, it starts. and I'm just like, wow, I'm watching a leftover scene from 2049. That's what it felt like. So, All right. So, let me so add what's it? Is it on what, what state or channels it on? Uh, uh, the channel called going to the movie theater. Oh, it's not on streaming or anything. No. Uh, it might be. I don't know if it is or not. Um, I don't think it was day date. They, that's the reason they held it for this long. They waited until it's it's theatrical only. Okay. Yeah. So but let me right. ask. Let me ask you this, Latham. Yeah. In previous cases, and I know you do this with Christopher Nolan films. Yeah. Is this something where, without you understanding it, does it want to drive you back to see it again in the theater? Not in the theater. Okay. Uh, it. I mean, it's a straightforward story. There's just points where you don't know if it's turned to allegory or. If were someone's thinking about something you know i mean it's one of those where you gotta even when you figure out where the points are where it happens then the ending comes and i just put my hand on my head and <laughs> look at my friend I'm like oh man what well, i don't i don't get this and then i tell them i go let's go there won't be a secret scene at the end of this film and then there is a secret scene at the end of this movie. so um uh definitely worth the watch anyone who so it's an aronofsky it. film uh, don't you dare <laughs> like aronofsky but i lean towards liking it as opposed to like not the, the an aronofsky film just like fuck this movie i don't care or well, mother where let's... i said fuck this movie five minutes in so well when you when you see a ghost story oh yeah it, it's coming close in my queue i should see it Fairly soon, Raymond. Yeah. And Steve said to watch it too. Right. So I think in Hassan as well. Well, let's drop acid. Oh, Come boy. on, let's go. Uh, uh, I, I don't enough of that from this afternoon. To watch Green Knight on acid. It's pretty. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm talking about what <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk oh, about. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Hassan, uh, not much. Uh, uh, standard stuff. The the bad batch. Uh, the good fight. Um, Loki's over. There's you know like some. Some things come in, some things drop out. Uh, yesterday, I watched it from uh, from 1951, the the precursor to uh, Alien, and uh, oh yeah, the terror from beyond space. Yeah, oh, and, okay. uh, yeah, it was it was it was, uh, it was good. Um, oh, you'll watch that horror movie. 
Yeah, I will. Because it doesn't have women getting beaten ahead with uh, pipes, um, which I can appreciate. Um, Ask Raymond if he's seen that one. I saw the devil. I saw the devil. I saw the devil. Nope. I don't think you like that that one, Raymond. It's a a Korean film. Not that that makes a difference. It does. Um, I mean, to Raymond. Oh, right. Correct. Raymond is not Korean. Oh, that's not what you meant. I'll be quiet. Then this afternoon, I I, I had a I had a little bit of an accident, and uh, uh, yeah, I hit my head pretty bad. So what? But then, but then I realized I was watching uh, Yellow Submarine. Uh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so I realized I was fine, and uh, I was able to wow. get on with my day. I was, I was, but I was really worried for a little while. Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> um. Uh, that's a that's about it. I think um, no uh, no group movie this week. That was the it. That was the, oh okay the all right. Movie it. Um, there was I don't I did watch a documentary on uh on Funkadelic on on uh, oh. George George Clinton uh and how much a bastard he was with money. Is that the one on the, Amazon? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That is. I have it. I have it added. It's on my list. I haven't watched it yet. It's funny thing is I know his niece. And oh. uh, and that's about all I can say. But uh, but I, but a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff in that uh, in that in that documentary can be corroborated uh, if if you ever watch it. Um, so yeah, but it was pretty good. It was it was uh, it was it's kind of sad because a lot of those people, like a lot of the ancillary um, band members, yeah, you know, have have you know have fallen all the you know fallen by the wayside or you know we've yeah. lost them to health issues or you know a, a number of things you know a number of sad things and you know majority of them are unhappy unfortunately so that's what that's the, the music industry for you um and i think that's about it i'm sure there's more that i'm missing that i'll remember in the middle of yours okay but i'll keep my I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut about it this time instead of yelling no, out oh i not. saw that too i can bring it up i don't care any hey raymond question which version yeah. of uh, Woodstock were we supposed to watch? Yeah, good point. Well, well why don't we hold, well, why don't you hold I, on for one second one and I let me ask that during the segment? Because it makes okay. editing easier. Okay, let's do that. So, uh, all right. So, <laughs> so we're going to take a, a, a little bit of a step back. <laughs> we got to take it a step back in time this week to Woodstock. For those of you who have forgotten, for those of you who haven't forgotten, and for those of you who never knew. By the time we got to Woodstock. Woodstock, an incredible film about an incredible event, is back. It's really amazing. It looks like some kind of uh, biblical, epical, unbelievable scene. Woodstock, with a cast of a half a million outrageously friendly people. Uh, you want me to explain it in plain English? It's a dirty mess. Woodstock. The people. The vibes. The music. Shown by Ocock, Country Joe, Crosby, Stills, Ashtree, Richie, Jimmy, Hendrix, and John Sebastian, Sean Sly, and the Family Stone, The Who.
Woodstock, where it all began. From 1970, directed by Michael Wadley, with a running time of either 184 or 224 minutes, this is a full-feature documentary about arguably the most well-known music festival in rock and roll history. And uh, and Raymond, before you before I you jump in on your joke, that's the, the whole thing was. <laughs> I was there. Did I have a joke? I in stepped there? on. Yeah, you you did. You what, it was the what, what the joke? either. It was a it was a semantical joke. It was, yeah, it's, it was it's, kind it's, of funny, and then you yeah. gave up on. Yeah, it's I either. Didn't, uh, I didn't even realize I was doing it, so there was no there was no setup involved. Yeah, I went over my own head. Wow. Okay. Go figure. All right. All right. Oh, so, oh well. Uh, <laughs> listen back to it. You'll, you'll Hassan, did you it. have a question for Raymond? <laughs> no, yeah. I had a question. Why didn't you tell us which version to watch, Raymond? Well, I thought. <laughs> hey, wait a the, minute. I thought the director's cut's the only version that's out now. So you oh. didn't think there was another version that became that came before the director's cut? I knew that there was, but I didn't think it was available. I thought the oh. only version you could see is now the the director's cut. You thought wrong, Raymond. You thought where, where do you see the uh, the old one? Unless you pull out a VHS or an old, a really old on, DVD. On Voodoo, it was the I. Uh, it wasn't four hours or three forty-five or whatever it was. On what? Voodoo. Voodoo. I I don't know what that is. V U D U. Well, give me a second. I'll put a pin in a doll, and you'll know exactly what it is. Wow. Wow. These things just take a turn. Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you pick Woodstock? Yeah, there you go. Get me off the damn thing. Well, uh, hey, I I love the movie. I think it's uh, uh, first of all uh, when it when Woodstock happened. First, first of all, were you there? I was not there. Okay, I was was fifteen years old. I I would like like to say congratulations, first of all, to you for for being straightforward and upfront with us and claiming that you weren't at Woodstock because right. pretty much everyone in your age range says they were there regardless yeah. if they were or not. <laughs> well, I know I do know some people that were there for sure. Right. I was down in Texas, so there was no way I could be there. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I was probably too young to, uh, you know, my parents probably wouldn't have let me go. <laughs> um, but uh, I sure would have liked to have been there. Uh, I'm not sure I would have uh, been comfortable but <laughs> after the fact, I would have loved to have said, you know, hey, I, I, I survived Woodstock. You know, I mean, it was when it happened, I was fascinated by it. I was, you know, seeing all the news and everything and looking at all the newspapers. And, and, you know, I was really at that time getting into that music. You know, I was just, you know, as, as a music person or my tastes in music, when I was growing up, I was a sound movie soundtrack guy first before I got into rock and roll. I, my first album that I ever bought was How the West Was Won, the soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> and, th- and the second one was Goldfinger, you know. And so I would be buying movie soundtracks until around, I would say, probably around 1967. And then I started, you know, buying Beatles and, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and by 1969, you know, I was starting to listen to The Who and and you know Crosby Stills and Nash's uh, first album came out and all that stuff so I was really interested and then the following summer of course was when the movie came out and man I was there and I loved it I just was uh, just and, and I was still I think too young to see an R-rated movie I remember my <laughs> my dad drove me up to the theater he didn't want to see it but he went with me to the box office and he just said he can see this movie 
and they let me in. <laughs> Parental consent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I saw it by myself on a big widescreen and everything. And then it was just, you know, great sound. And the, I loved it. The ticket, and then I bought, the I bought booth the record clerk album. is like, this is not the hill I'm going to die on, sir. Your son yeah. may enter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, 68 cents, please. Go ahead. <laughs> And I bought, you know, the three record LP that was right. out, you know, and uh, just just really into it. And then, you know, over the years, I saw it more times and and I was so fascinated with the actual event. I would read, you know, biographies and, you know, books that came out about it. And and so, you know, I really know a lot about the festival that, uh, uh, you know, I actually know, you know, the real running order because the movie is out of out of chronological. Oh, sequence. yeah. It's all over the place. You know, it's not, you know, it started here and goes hour by hour. It doesn't do that. It, you know, it mixes up the days and the times and, mm -hmm. and all that. You know, I could tell you what, what the order of what, what bands played on Friday, what bands played on Saturday, what bands played on Sunday, et cetera. Uh, and who wasn't in the movie. And because there were a lot of bands that didn't get, found, you know, didn't get in the movie. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of bands who chose not to be in the movie too. Yeah. Right. Right. And of course this guy chose not to be. Yeah. You can't the, show me. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. But also I think it was, it was as far as the craft of making the movie, it is, it's a masterpiece because the logistics of making that movie had to have been hell. Uh, for one thing, they got the job to make the movie like within a week of the festival. They had to organize it, get the equipment, get everybody there, and then film this thing over, you know, three and a half days, almost nonstop. Yep. And they had all this footage. And, and you know that Martin Scorsese was there with a camera. Yeah, he was he an was AD the, on it. Yeah. He was AD and co-editor with Thelma yep. Schumacher. Yeah. So and there are actually six people listed as editors on this. It's yeah, kind of funny. Right. right. Yeah. A hundred and twenty, a hundred and twenty hours of footage they had. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. And then, you know, with the rain and, and the mud and the, you know, the food situation and, and yeah. just crowd. And it, it would have been a nightmare to try to think <laughs> that, that you're making this movie, you know, and, and it's for Warner brothers, you know? So, yeah, it deserved the Oscar that year, and it did win the Oscar for Best Documentary. I'll tell, I'll tell you, having seen a lot of music documentaries and a lot of music documentaries involving live music playing and, and not just about like a focus on a given band or something like that, but on events or whatever, I feel like, I, A, at the time this came out, I think you're 100% correct. I think it absolutely deserved it. It would have, been, it would have absolutely blown me away uh, at the time. Since I've since obviously I've had a lot more stuff to digest, I think that this movie suffers from only really one thing, and that's that it's really two different documentaries. And I think that it succeeds perfectly well enough on both on both fronts. But I think that if someone were to take a a if there was access to all that original footage. And I think that if someone took the time, had the inclination, you could go back and you could make an absolutely dynamite behind the scenes documentary about this event that would just be absolutely mind blowing. I'd love to see that. I mean, but I'd love it would have that. no live footage in it yeah. and vice versa. I think you could do an absolutely dynamite 
nothing but live concert film of the event right. in exactly the same way. Because the footage that they were getting of those performances and the multi-camera setups and all that stuff they were doing, I mean, that was that was cutting edge stuff. That's stuff that they wouldn't really pioneer in later the, live film. The split screen, the split screen stuff. You didn't see that before in 1970. That right. Was like, and, but oh, but wow. just, the, just the forethought to film these guys from in tight shots from different angles at the exact same time. Yeah. To be able to set those up later is is yeah. uh, is kind of amazing. And yeah. uh, the 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 amount of thought that went into that. Or, I mean, shit, maybe they just got lucky. Who knows? But either way, it's extremely effective. Um, right. I thought it was really good. I, I, I just I grabbed the first version I found and it was the, the I I popped it open this afternoon and i'm like what three hours and 44 minutes i'm like what the fuck well that yeah that's the lot that's yeah that's that's the which preferred was, version now you know? which was so. which was uh, which was 100 fine by the time i got to the end I was, yeah. I was perfectly okay with it well it's you know there's a lot of great background stuff about this but uh let's let's go ahead and get uh at least uh first impressions out of the way lay what did, what did you think have you seen this before no, I, I, I'd seen parts of it at different times, but never watched it front to back. I just think with music documentaries, you're already going into a the most subjective form of art, I think. I think music is the one that is, is the most subjective. I mean, if you're not, you can watch this and appreciate it being a time capsule and it's, you know, it's it's well shot and 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 you know, it's, it's never boring. Let's put it that way. But if you can't get into the music, I just think you're immediately at a limit of how you're going to appreciate the film. Now I liked, I don't disagree I, with you. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't disagree with you. I think oh, you're, don't, I, th don't disagree, I, yeah. I think you're a hundred percent correct. I think if you are not, if you have zero connection to, or have no interest in music of that era, then the parts of the movie, the first, the first 40 minutes of the movie, you're going to be really into. And then as soon as the live music starts, you're going to be like, eh, all right. I mean, I liked, and I liked a lot of the music in this. Some, that some bands, I had no right. idea what they sounded like. So that was cool. One of my favorite bands is in this, the who that mm -hmm. I haven't really seen. I've seen them live personally, but I've never watched footage of them play live. Not, not, not much anyway. And that was really cool to see how they fit into this. I, I guess for the time, maybe Raymond can answer this. For the selection of artists they show, Raymond, that was that was just a cross section of that of, of, of music at that time, or, or was it more pointed as far as the bands that that were featured? Well, they try. You know, at the time in 1969, they for the festival they tried to get the most popular bands at the time okay so those were the most popular then. yeah i mean they asked the beatles they asked the rolling stones they asked uh bob dylan but you know they didn't they didn't come they didn't but, come right so this yeah, is what but, you get this is just yeah, who came right and now but, but they got jimmy hendrix who was huge at the time yeah Jimi sure. hendrix was here and he was the headliner he played last yes and of course, he was supposed to come go on like you know at midnight or one o'clock Sunday night, but they were so far behind that he didn't really come on until Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a really cool story. No, it was um, I, I you know like as Raymond said, it winning best documentary. It, it you know it it deserves it merely as as a well 
well thought out and from what you're saying in a, in a very short amount of time, uh, nostalgia piece. And I, I just can't imagine the editing on this. I know a lot of it is figuring out just where you're going to put the music performances, but it's, it's, it seems like there's a lot, a lot of thought put together to where things would be. And I, I don't have a, you know, I don't know if other people had problems with it being out of order or didn't like the fact that it wasn't a true beginning to end chronicle, but that, that doesn't bother me at all. I think it's, I think that makes it more interesting if you jump around. Um, jump around. Jump, jump around. around. I knew someone was going to do it. <laughs> someone had to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. it. It was, especially after watching a long movie last night, uh, it was, it never lost my attention today. And I think, I think, I would want to see this on a big screen. Oh yeah. That makes a big difference. Uh, well that, and, and also with an appreciative audience, I think that would be really cool. I, I just, there, there's like a community feel to the film, obviously, uh, you know, with what you have, what you're showing as well, but it, it seems like they wanted that to be uh, part of the thematic, direction of, of the story they were trying to tell as well. And I, I like that and thought, especially now, this is this is a movie that a lot of people could watch and maybe calm themselves down with it. I, I really was into the music um, uh, at that time. I, sure. I, mean, I had albums by Sly and the Family Stone and Santana and Crosby, Stills and Nash and The Who. And yeah. I mean, I didn't know everybody. You know, I wasn't into, say, 10 years after. Uh, but you know, after the movie, then I started buying some of those albums and buy some of those artists and stuff. The story about Santana, Santana. I mean, this the, their appearance at Woodstock basically made that band. I mean, that they, really they did. And I blew think that's them the up. Best, that's the best performance in the movie. I think. I, I think the Santana sequence kills it. The story you know? behind how they got that gig was was absolutely hysterical. The, the promoter, Michael Lang, who had approached the Grateful Dead about playing at the show, who was being managed by Bill Graham, said, well, I've got these two other acts. We should bring them in, too. And Michael was like, well, I can only I only got one spot. I can only give it to one of them. I'm going to flip a coin. And he flipped the coin and Santana got the got the heads up. So and Santana got the spot. And the other band was <clears throat> called It's a Beautiful Day. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and, and it's a great band. <laughs> Is it really? I, I've never heard of them. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. You never heard the song White Bird? No, not that White I'm aware of. Bird. Da, 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 da. No, I I'll, have heard it. I'll have to. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I'll have to go track it down. That's an, uh, you know, the album is is classic. The fr oh, their okay. first album, yeah. All right, uh, Hassan, what do you think? I, I, I mean, I had this movie years ago uh, on VHS. The two when it came out in a director's cut, there was a <laughs> stupid two, block, two, two, two cartridges. Yeah, yeah. That, that block <laughs> container. With, you had to block you could, plastic. If someone tried to mug you on the way out of the store. You could beat them to death with it. Um, it's just funny, like looking at looking at um, these materials and how they've changed and how they, you know, like uh, when DVDs came out, they were so uh, insubstantial um, because uh, because we were uh, psychologically trained and anything with heft had value. And so these like little compact discs were like, oh, come on, this can't be this can't enhance my experience. And now, you know, you can't imagine life without them. But uh, yeah, I had to, I had that. I was. Uh, I was obsessive about all that stuff, about all the um, 
uh, all of the prior to just, you know, 1969, 1970s, um, 1968, 1970, 1971. I think Hendrix died in 70. Um, just about almost everybody died in 70. Everybody goes yeah. substantial. And um, <laughs> it was a, it was a at, bad at year for music. At the age of 27. They were yeah. all 27, too. It was a, it was a bad year for music. Ooh, also, one, thing, like, I, one, one thing I did discover about myself while watching this movie is that I do still hate Janis Joplin. <laughs> oh, I, I love Janis Joplin. Sorry, I mean, I this wasn't one of her better performances. But... It doesn't matter. I can't stand her. But that's yeah, just me. It's a, not... That's the subjective part of it. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry, son. Go ahead. Oh, from... really? She's not just awful in general? I don't. I didn't know her personally. Oh, okay. I didn't either. Sorry. But anyway, we're talking about 1970, 71. Yeah. Um, then... This just the. Uh, I mean, my my all time number one fanatic devotion is to Led Zeppelin, which is which just started around this era. You know, who, right. who were not at Woodstock. Uh, they were invited. But, yeah, but uh, and they regretted not going. Yep. Um. You know, after the fact. So well, I had this. I had their I first had album. Their first album was out, but their mm-hmm. second album was not. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they they were mm-hmm. like I said, they're, they're from this era. They started this right. era. They Absolutely. got all the way up to the eighties, the nineteen eighty, and then they, and then they we lost uh, John Bonham, and then they stopped. Uh, I had I had the song remains the same. I had uh, oh man, I had so many of these like nineteen nineteen sixties nineteen seventies concert. Uh, uh, video so of course i had a uh, woodstock just to get back on subject and so i've seen it a zillion times i did forget that it was three uh three hours 45 minutes when i when i fired it up today i was like oh man <laughs> oh man holy crap well, it's supposed to make you feel like you were really there man you yeah know? sure like, you know i'm just glad i started it, it with enough time you know, to get through yeah it's a I commitment because I had I was, I was recording today, so like it was a it was a big commit. Like holy shit, this is like this my whole this is everything. This is the whole day. <laughs> this is my afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> I did watch. I did forget to for the consumption. I did forget to mention I watched the other Woodstock documentary from '99. Oh, uh, the new you know, one, Peace, Love, and Rage. Yeah, um, I want to watch that. And it's you know the the wow the yeah. <laughs> the contrast is is astonishing. The same person, same that guy uh, Lang, who yeah. um, I'm not uh, I'm not sure what I think of his character after you know all the interviews I've seen of him and uh, and and you know basically that his that entire uh, sequence in in uh, the 1970s movie where the, the reporter basically has to chase him just to get him to go on record about anything. Like, could you just give us? Some information is like, well, you know, and he, he, he responds like a money man. You know, he's like, look, I'm losing. I'm losing a lot of money on this. So I'm not going to. It's a financial you. disaster. Yeah, it's a, I'm not gonna, it's a financial yeah. disaster. It's like, look, it's just it's just good that this is happening. Like, yeah, but aren't you losing like a ton of money? And, you know, isn't the IRS at your house right now? You know, breaking down your walls like, yeah, leave me alone, dude. And he, he rides away on his bike. Yeah. Um, trying to so, repossess his BSA. Out yeah, yeah. But um, it's a. Uh, it's an amazing. It is. It it's very laid back for, uh, in you know, in lieu of a uh, uh, contemporary documentaries. It's very. It's. I, I would. I would accuse it of being leisurely. But it's not. It's just. It's just that's the that was the energy of the time. That was the atmosphere of the time. It was just like, you know, and also uh, knowing that they had about five days to prepare for that, 
the inf- the footage that they got in the movie they were able to put together from just five days of preparation is pretty astonishing. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty wonderful. Um, so, I mean, I was already in when, when the, this movie was suggested. So my opinion is like, it, you know, it's like asking me it's the same situation with Jaws and the Karate Kid or whatever. I've, I'm, I'm already a devotee of, uh, of the genre of the music. I love the music. Um, I love the atmosphere. I grew up with it, you know, cause my mom was a hippie. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a good experience for me. The only, the only problem was three hours and 45 minutes. Cause I was like, I don't, I, I don't know how to juggle this. This is crazy. Um, and I didn't remember cause, cause, uh, the original VHS is on, on two tapes. So I don't yeah. think I ever had an actual mental understanding of how much time i was burning oh, watching through it you know so right. so when you see it in digital and it just tells you you are about to sit here for three hours and 45 you know i'm like whoa you know and then also when you can check on it while you're watching and you've watched maybe 10 bands and you you know you check on the on the dial and you're only halfway through the thing right. you're like holy <laughs> shit you're like yeah exactly well you exactly. know the directors the, the, the longer version inserts an intermission you know, they have this little bit, you know. Well, it's, not in the it's inner fucking mission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not not uh, in the uh, not in the version. Not in the original. It just went shh, for three yeah. hours. And then look, if that's what you're into, just like with uh, what Stephen Latham was saying, if you're into it, if you're into the music, it's not a problem. If you're yeah. not, I couldn't imagine. Like if this was like three, and a, three hours and 45 minutes of poker music, we'd be having a different conversation right now. So, you know, I, I get it. You know, I totally... I totally get like maybe if you're if you're not into seventies or acid rock or you know it, it's it's not going to do you any good if you're not into watching stoned hippies you know covered in mud wandering around you know looking like they're floating on air for you know all the it, it, intermission or if you're not into watching some guy clear out a porta potty you know uh, <laughs> and just this impromptu conversation with the guy who's cleaning out a porta potty I did I did take um. Notice of how cordial everyone was. Now, maybe that was just because they were aware that they were being filmed. But like, there's that conversation in the very beginning where the where the kids call themselves freaks, and the and the locals yeah. are like, "I don't think you're freaks. You know, why right, would you right. call, why would you call yourself a freak?" And then even the guy cleaning out the porta potty was like, "I just do it for the kids. You know, I got you know I got a kid here, and also I got a kid in Vietnam. Choppers, yeah, yeah. Well, and as, so there's no there was I mean I know there was a lot of I know the strife was the was the was the color of the age. You know, I know that was the the era of. So I'm not I'm not delusional about how great people were back then, but just the this just the the just to hear people say, yeah, this is great. You know, we're having a well, good time. We're watching these kids. Apparently, you know. you know, apparently in the town nearby, you know, they were they ended up most of them were very supportive. I mean, there's that one guy that's kind of, oh, I think it's a real shame. You know, they're yeah. all on pot. They're all yeah, on, the they're pot. All on pot. Yeah. Was that there was that guy and there was because the they were, guy. though. I mean, the documentary doesn't doesn't deter you from that notion. basically. most of the community was very supportive. And and you got to you got to admit, nothing could be that peaceful today. No, no. And it wasn't like I said, contrasting it with the 1999 documentary. I know. Which is very different. I don't agree. I don't agree with nothing will be that peaceful today. That this this reminded me of a lot of the. English festivals I've been to, and I bet they would be close to that. That's a different country. Well, 
Yeah, that's a different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. And I, yeah, you're probably right. In England, they would, they would be a little more cordial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Qualifying but, anything, it's a different country. But, you know, I well, mean, the fact the way he phrased it was he couldn't have it today. I didn't know what he meant just yeah. in the US. The, the fact that, uh, you know, people got there, you know, and then, you know, the, the problem with food and, and everything. Some people would have, you know, today would would be, you know, tearing the place down. Right. Well, uh, I would be. Well, that I was 99. Be, I would be yeah. curious just to, to get your reaction to the 99 documentary, because the 99 documentary actually calls this documentary out as saying it's given you a false impression of what really happened because there was a lot of, there was a lot of damage. There were a lot of fights, you know, one of the, one of the main tenets of the documentary of of even the seventies documentary is the kids all tore the fences down and just rushed the place for free, which again is not exactly peaceful, but you know, it's a tradition by the way. It doesn't necessarily say that, that the, they show that in the movie. They yeah, show them knocking down. That's what I'm saying. One of the yeah, one yeah. of the main one of the main events in this document in the seventies documentary is that they the kids tore the, the fence down. They just jumped over yeah, but, the fence. But they did it so peacefully. Yes, they, they peacefully <laughs> tore the well, fence down. What, they they what, peacefully what happened, invaded. What happened was that they realized that there were so many people uh that you know came that didn't have tickets and they thought, okay, we're gonna have a problem. You know, if we don't just let them in, and so they made it a free festival. They decided this like Friday, not Friday, late Friday afternoon. Yeah, but I mean, and, look, every, and, someone, every, someone's getting screwed from that because there are people who paid who are now <laughs> oh, surrounded well, yeah, by well, people everybody who didn't got screwed. Pay. Yeah, the, the the organizers lost tons of money, and that's why the movie saved them. Yeah, you know, oh, the, cool. the, cool. the fact that the movie, uh, the promoters had no part of the movie or the soundtrack. Uh, they got the promoters got part of the movie. They, 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 they made the they deal. They, they sold the rights to Warner Brothers. Uh, they thought there was to, no money in it. <laughs> yeah, they saw that it 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 bailed them out a, a bit, but they did lose a lot of money. And then Warner Brothers, they didn't even want to release the film in, the, in theaters at first uh, because other uh, other concert documentaries had done so poorly. They were like, "Why would we bother putting this in theaters?" But they did it anyway. Because one of the executives apparently stated that there was so little, they had put so little money into buying the rights to it that they could have cut the negatives up and sold the negatives as bookmarks and made their money back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's ridiculous. It's funny. Like you, you hear these stories of uh, these, these things that have become like a, uh, like iconic iconoclast in our society. And you find out you usually you find out how humble the beginnings were or if you know, that nobody believed in any of this stuff and that, you know, it was like, it just shows that there are very few visionaries, you know, because we didn't, nobody knows really um, start to finish what's going to be accepted and what's not. And sure. so 90% of these stories are just like, yeah, we, we just, we were, we were there, messing around with a camera and we, you know. There's, <laughs> there's a couple of really good books about the whole thing. That, I'm that sure. Go in, uh, one was called Two Men uh, with Unlimited Capital. Uh, there's one that Michael Lang wrote, uh, and this is, uh, this book right here is, I think the best, you know, coffee table book about oh, it. Okay. And cool. it, it goes, it goes into it, but it's mostly name about the, name the book for the, happened. for the podcast. What's that? Name, name the book for the, book for the listeners. It's called, uh, Woodstock three days that rock the world. It's by edited by Mike Evans, Paul Kingsbury, and the forwards by Martin Scorsese. Oh, perfect. Hot and it's, it's published by Sterling 
I mean, that's a it's a good co- it's the best coffee table book about yeah. the, the 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 festival that I've ever seen with pictures and everything. Yep. But there are other books that are. Let's see, if I, I think it has a, a list. Isn't there like a ton of of you know? Yeah, like here we go. Bibliography. Paraphernalia on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one by uh, the, the two money men, uh, Joel Rosenman and John Roberts. It's called Young Men with Unlimited Capital: The Behind the Scenes <laughs> Story of Woodstock. <laughs> Uh, and the one uh, by Michael Lang is called uh, Road to Woodstock. Oops. <laughs> and there's others, you know. Yeah. Um, well, plus two, if you go back and you kind of look at the, the list of, of artists who performed there, a lot of them now have written biographies or been yeah. a part of biographies. And you can find, you know, usually pretty good sec- sections about their experiences, at least from their eyes at the show. And if you kind of stitch all that stuff together, I'm sure it would help also build a, a, a picture too. Right. Right. Yep. And, you know, like you said about Santana, there's several artists that were in the movie that became, you know, yeah. uh, famous because of them being in the movie, you know, like Richie Havens, you know, no, no, no. Rich, Rich, yeah. no, no, got famous. <laughs> yeah, they got yeah, a TV show from it. Yeah. Shows up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the Who almost didn't perform because they they were they were almost bankrupt at the time, and they demanded they be paid in cash or they weren't going to show up. <laughs> I know they had to they had to go out in the middle of the night to some bank and get it and open. Apparently, during the Who's set, Abby Hoffman came on stage to complain yep. about somebody being arrested, and right. uh, and Pete Townsend uh, kicked him off the stage. <laughs> he, he hit him on the head. He hit him guitar. Guitar. Yeah. Get off the stage, you dumb hippie. <laughs> and, a pair, uh, and also uh, when when the who were going onto the stage, there was a cameraman in the walkway as they were as where the artists were coming in. And apparently as they walked by, Pete kind of kicked him, pushed the guy with his foot out of the way. And it was the director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete was kind of a he was a little bit of a bastard. Yeah, he had, he had, <laughs> he, he had well, his line in the you know, Neil yeah. Young was what. Uh, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash had just had this great hit album that came out like two months, two months or three months before yeah. the concert. And they uh, when they hadn't performed live yet. And when they, they said, well, if, if we're going to perform live, we need more of a band. And, you know, uh, their manager, uh, the head of the label said, well, get why don't you ask Neil Young to be the extra yep. guy? Be your, be and, your and keyboardist. First, Still, Stills, you know, who had gone through Buffalo Springfield with Neil Young, kind of went, uh, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they, they pushed him, and Neil Young joined only if his name could be equal to the other three, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. They did one show live, and their second show was Woodstock. Yeah. And then yeah. Young wouldn't let them film it. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was he was camera shy, know. didn't like the way he looked or whatever. So he's like, you can't show me during this. Yeah, the trio, the, the trio always started their concerts at that time uh, first, you know, doing an acoustic set. Yeah. And then Neil Young would join them. Uh, so it's too bad. I would have loved to have seen, you know, seen yeah, before. You know. Yeah, there's like a thing he regrets it now. Like, uh, like, you know, maybe he's got a better. You know, I don't think he better regrets body it. Image. <laughs> yeah, he's Neil Young. Yeah, right. So, yeah, he doesn't do. Yeah, he doesn't so, do uh, regret. One of the other things that I did take away from watching this, besides the fact that I still don't like Janis Joplin, uh, was seeing Joe Cocker perform at this age. Very strange performance. Well, yeah, but you know what? That's the way he did it. Yeah. Well, that wasn't him. People thought he was an epileptic. My my issue my issue isn't with him or his his uh, contortions or anything like that. It's just that the the guy who was doing the call and answer for him. 
It's just now he's 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 not in harmony. He's using oh. this like this high pitched voice, so it just sounds like someone is making fun of him, and he's oh. and and Cocker is just giving his whole soul to it, and he's you yeah. know the the response is like this full throated response, and then the guy's what do you see? And he's not even in key, and so like if you if you allow yourself to hear it like that you can't unhear it you can't unhear that guy kind of fucking that his performance up the, the thing is is i know joe cocker as a punchline from snl with joe yeah. with john belushi being yeah. joe cocker and that's right. how i know joe cocker yeah and that was a that's right. a big moment for that's a big really um uh you know there's a documentary about him and that that moment was really heartbreaking for him he didn't know that belushi was going to do that so like in the middle of his performance this some other guy the other guy who's famous for being, you know, for, for being a problematic drug addict on the yeah. show comes out and literally just mocks him, even though I'm sure he thought it was an homage, you know, and Joe Cocker did not take well to that. He didn't respond yeah. well to but that. But the thing is, is in seeing this performance with him, young, clean shaven, yeah. looking like a vibrant young performer, it gives you an entirely different picture of Joe Cocker. Like I, I like I literally like when I saw him, I didn't even make the connection until the song started. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's Joe Cocker. Yeah. And then because I, I, I do like the fact that they don't tell you who anybody is until the end. I did. Right. I did kind of dig that because they're like Latham said, there were some bands that played who I honestly just didn't. I mean, I knew the names of all the bands, but there's some you I mean, I don't I wouldn't know a country Joe and the fish song if it swam up and hit me in the face. Yeah. I just wouldn't oh, know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's some guy, I mean, you know, Arlo Guthrie because of his voice. I mean, that's, that's always going to give him away, but there was just, there were some acts who were played and I'm like, ah, who the fuck is that now? Cause I'm like, and I knew who was in the movie, but I'm like trying well, to figure out who I knew and didn't know. And again, plus, I guess that's a, that's an age thing. Yes. I, you know, yeah. I thought Sly and the family stone really. Oh, was they, a, 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 a yeah, they, they killed shot. it. Yeah. Um, so, so some of the bands that were asked and didn't, make the uh show uh so the beatles yeah the beatles were asked and uh and john lennon said the group had to decline uh but he would be glad to appear with a version of the plastic ono band uh, oh. at, at which point at which point they said eh, it's okay no <laughs> but when the beatles were invited they wanted some an artist who had they had just signed to their apple records label to come along with them and when the beatles declined to appear that invitation disappeared but that would have been james taylor right right <laughs> who would have like hello <laughs> um yeah led zeppelin was playing a show in new jersey that weekend jethro tall was invited and they did they declined. jethro tall's ian anderson said he did not want to perform and perform in front of as he termed them a bunch of unwashed hippies you know what the worst thing about hippies is raymond everything no. <laughs> <laughs> well you know you can hear jethro tell's first album being played over the loudspeakers yeah, exactly during, uh, after during, i mentioned uh, my mom was a hippie <laughs> all right uh, fair enough tommy, tommy james yeah. and, tommy james and the shondells were invited but they heard the festival would be on a farm so they refused the moody blues had already been booked to play a show in paris the jeff beck group was invited but they broke up two weeks prior to the show <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, you'll great. notice that when they show the footage of jefferson airplane the jeff beck group's keyboardist nikki hopkins is playing with jefferson airplane yeah 
Uh, Pro Call Harem was invited, but they refused because they had just finished a super long tour and Robin Trower's wife was about to give birth to their first child. That's a good excuse. The birds were invited, uh, and but they cited their distaste for large festivals following a violent incident at the Atlantic City Pop Festival two weeks before this, apparently. Bob Dylan, ironically, refused to appear at Woodstock due to festivals not being his scene, even though at the time he was living in Woodstock. <laughs> right, but but it didn't take place in Woodstock. It was no, like I know, I know. It takes place just, yeah, uh, yeah, yes. But it was still funny because he was like literally within, you know, a few miles away. Right, right. And uh, decision they made. And I forget I forget why Joni Mitchell wasn't there, but she she couldn't be there, but she wrote the song, you know, about right, it. Right, right. And she got together with uh uh Crosby and Nash right after the festival and they appeared on the Dick Cavett show like the day the next day. Yeah. So but the thing about Bob Dylan was so after he says the festival's not being his scene, he was apparently spotted in New York boarding the Queen Elizabeth uh the first day of the festival to go to England to appear at the second Isle of Wight festival. <laughs> oh, uh, that's one I've wanted to go to for a while. And uh, so the Rolling Stones refused because Mick Jagger was in Australia filming a movie. And, and lucky them, really- they get to go to Altamont. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, didn't that work out for them? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Keith Richards' girlfriend's girlfriend had just given birth to their first child. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel were in the middle of recording their second album, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. That's a good enough Chicago, the band Chicago was invited to play, but the festival had pulled out because they were already booked to play Fillmore West that same weekend. And then four other bands that were invited and declined Paul Revere and the Raiders, Iron Butterfly, Free, and the Flying Burrito Brothers. Well, if Iron Butterfly played in Agata DeVita, it would have just taken still be playing. It would still be playing. And it's really interesting, the fact that Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is a time where they were like the number one band in the, in the nation, and their performance Great was band. nowhere to be seen in the movie because uh, Fogarty thought that their performance at the show was substandard for them. And so he wouldn't let them use any of the footage of their performance in the movie or on the live or released on the album. It's a shame. I'm sure, it, again, I'm sure it exists somewhere. I mean, with all the filming they were doing, I'm sure it's in that 120 hours of stuff. But uh, apparently promoter Michael Lang once said that his original idea was to have Roy Rogers close the festival by singing Happy Trails. (laughs) (laughs) That would have worked. That would have worked in its own quirky way. You know, that would have fit right in. But uh, yeah, this was uh, this movie was a lot of fun. It was a lot of it was. I loved the background stuff. That's the part of this movie that I absolutely loved. And being and living where I do about an hour and 15 minutes south of where this took place. It's, you know, all the towns they mention in the counties and everything that they mention in the movie, I, I know intimately. I, I know I know this whole area very well. So it was fun to hear all that stuff and talking about, oh, over in this, the closest place you're going to find a hotel is over in Middletown. And it's like, yeah, that would be a haul from where you're at to, for, yeah. to not have a hotel. I mean, Especially given the at roads that time, are all choked well, up. And- well, not only that, but the fact that, yes, all the roads were completely fucked. But the fact that at that time, I'm trying to think now of how many hotels there are in the area between there and Middletown. And now you go back 50 years and you 70% of those hotels weren't there at least. So it's yeah, like, because yeah, I'm, it's, I'm pretty sure that that industry kind of boomed after Woodstock, after they realized that oh, we can, 
we could do stuff up here, but we need places for yeah. these these people to stay. Yeah. I mean, after kind of where I mean, after you get past West Point, where there's a number of hotels because of people who visit for West Point, and they aren't big hotels. These are all like, I mean, we just got a Holiday Inn Express down the road from us like eight years ago because there were no chain hotels. It was all like the little like Bates Motel kind of like road motels around. There's like a dozen of them like between my house and West Point, but there's no like brand hotels, but now we have a holiday Inn express that caters to that, obviously. But I mean, between here and there, there, I mean, you have Newburgh, but other than that, there's like, there's nothing else going on. So it's like trying to manage that number of people to keep them in an, in that area close and have a place like to them to go back to, it would have been an absolute non-starter. Like go like you were going there and you were staying there. You weren't you didn't have a place yeah. to go back and oh I'll come back tomorrow. No, you won't. Yeah. Because chances are when you leave now, you won't even be back to where you're staying until tomorrow. So you might as well just stay. And huh. eat a eat a cheese sandwich in the mud. And look for some soap. That's there right. No, there's very little soap. So we'll say that the, the one the one really positive thing about this whole thing is that there were plenty of boobs around. And they weren't afraid to show them. That's true. That may yeah. be the only redeeming quality of a naked hippie. I'm... This is uh, I, I love the guy who was uh, who was who was recruited to do the uh, the emceeing uh, chipmunk. Oh, well, no, he was one of the actual <laughs> he was the lighting designer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there were several MC guys. The, the other guy, John Morris, was one. And uh, but there was wavy gravy who was part of the, the, the food thing. And he, was that the guy with no teeth? <laughs> yeah. What we had in mind is breakfast in bed for 300,000. That's wavy. That was wavy gravy. He was a legend. That guy was a legend. Oh boy. Yeah. But Chip Monk had the greatest voice. Yeah. And, he was, he was phenomenal. And it's so funny because you hear that voice like, it's so clear and the timber uh -huh. is so good on it. Right. And it just, it totally, as soon as I heard it in the background at like the beginning of the film, all I could think of was uh, the end of that uh, during the Johnny Cash live at Folsom prison, the guy doing the prison announcements that comes in the background at the ends of some of the Johnny Cash songs. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah. Well, Google chip monk and he's done some incredible, you know, theatrical stuff and yeah, he started you know, his second career stuff. as a stage announcer after this. <laughs> Well, no, I'm talking about lighting design and oh, oh, okay, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then you know the other guy that had kind of the shoulder length hair, John Morris. That he was one of the announcers. He was he was a big uh, personality too. Um, and uh, there was you know there were some characters in. Uh, I mean, uh, Artie Artie Cornfeld, who was one of the four producers. He's stoned out of his mind the whole time. He's just kind of walking around going, well, it's just uh, too incredible, man. It's just too incredible, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the, the whole, the festival was because of four guys. It was uh, John Roberts and Joel Rosenman who were the money guys. They weren't on the site. They were in the office, you know, in, in uh, the town nearby. And then Michael Lang and Artie Cornfield were the guys on the site. Yeah. And Cornfield was useless. Because he was, yeah. just, he, he had dropped, he had dropped acid and and just you know. But I love that the announcements were like, "Don't take the brown acid; it's yeah. no good." Yeah. <laughs> right. Or what about the get get away from the towers? 
Yeah, get away yeah. from the yeah, tower. The big wind that storm comes up, and I'm get just away like, from the tower. And, and you know, you know, the the rain. It rained uh, Friday night before Jen, uh, before Joan Baez. It was like uh, uh, before Arlo Guthrie, after Richie Havens. Uh, it kind of rained for about an hour at night, Friday night, and then they continued. But then Sunday afternoon, right after Joe Cocker, he was the first act. Sunday afternoon, but right when he finished, you know, the thunderstorm that came. That was a big storm. It rained for four and a half hours. Oh my God! It must have seemed like an eternity. Those hippies. Well, and that so too, and at that po- and at that no point, cover. being on there's Sunday, no how many of them you think were just like cutting and running? They're like, all right, oh, you know a lot what? Of people left. I fucking had I, enough. <laughs> I would say ha- more than half left. You know, tried to get out of there. Um, yeah, and in the in the '99 one, they said it was it was there wasn't as much mud, but it was on a military base, so they were on tarmac, and that just oof. generates heat. You know, yep. so it was yeah. like, you know, so it was, almost, it was almost worse than than, you yeah. know, you'd almost you'd, you'd rather be soaked in mud as opposed to well, like roasting on a on a, you know, what, flat surface. What a friend of mine who was there said that by Sunday morning, if you just took a breath, <laughs> smelled the whole place smelled like a latrine. <laughs> but from 99? No, from, from, from 69. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, they had no filtration then. Anything, yeah. you know, they just it was that nothing. Wasn't rainwater you're sliding <laughs> in? <laughs> yeah, well, pe- people were probably people were probably peeing in where they were sitting. You mm-hmm. know, the uh, so Deirdre's father is very proud of the fact that he was actually he was actually there. He has his tickets. Uh, he has his tickets. We have him. We got them framed for him a few years back. We uh, we tracked down an original copy of the uh, program book from the from the actual event and got it for him and then got this other stuff uh from his mom or from Deirdre's mom and then we had it all put together and framed uh so it now hangs in a in a in the hallway at their house with like his ticket stubs and his little memorabilia from Woodstock but um but yeah so that's uh that's a a cool little thing he actually he actually was there he could prove it he's like I got tickets I was there (laughs) how much does he remember enough <laughs> and where, 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 where was he? Does he remember? Like, was he in the crowd near the stage? I, I don't know. Guy? I've never, I've never discussed with him the logistics of where he was and where he got to. I would, I would love to like watch to show him parts of this movie and be like, hey, you know, where were you at? Kind yeah. of with. This. I've never met. You know, I'd love to find somebody that that's actually can be seen in the movie. You know, where that's why I kept looking oh, for. I'm like, there's yeah. so much footage They're of them walking dead. around shooting people. I was like, man, it would be hysterical if by just some dumb fucking turn of luck he walks he by and be like yeah. oh my god i you would have to you, show him this can you imagine being a kid who was uh who, who jumped on stage for canned heat and was, yeah. you know and right and, and it's just he's just immortalized in that yeah you know that's i can't imagine that i can't imagine or, that or that chick that's standing dancing to santana you know everybody yeah. else is sitting down and she's up doing that you know yeah. it's just oh that's so cool there's a lot of people i mean even the people they just talk to like walking past them you know yeah, yeah. be like hey i'm in this that's awesome but uh yeah that was yeah. a lot of fun i uh i'm 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 glad i finally watched that that's uh that was cool like i said i i i would love to be able to 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 gain access to that archive of film wherever it exists if it exists and just be like just have someone digitize all that and just make it do you like put some huge online archive where you could just download like raw video footage and just like watch it for stuff it'd be i think that'd be awesome i'm sure it'll happen eventually 
I, yeah, like I said, if if it if still exists, you know, I mean, if it still well, is, it is seems viable. like with every with every anniversary they put out more music. You know, there's more box sets that come out every <laughs> right. every anniversary that found that an extra recording. One this had, one, you know. <laughs> hey, here's a band who performed inside the yeah. tent. Yeah. Here's another Hendrix album that he made. Like yeah. when? <laughs> those are those are all in Prince's vault. Come on, Prince, yeah. Prince owns all those. Yeah, it, look, it looks like on the 40th anniversary edition or the the longer one that they included a performance from the Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah. They play a song that's uh, 37 minutes long. That wouldn't well, surprise me. They're they're in the uh, the director's cut. Yeah, that's then, right. I think, but but I think there's more footage of them on this new 40th anniversary uh, Blu-ray that came out in 2014. They they released some other performances. So did they do they show the whole song, the 37 minute song? On, on, well, I don't well, have I don't have that version. I have the 2009 oh. Blu-ray. That's the 2009. That's what I'm looking at right here. It says they're on the 2009 one. Oh well, I have that one. Uh, there, there's even more on the 2014. Oh no, it's on the it's it's on the bonus footage. It's on the bonus footage. Yeah, called. right. The bonus footage. Right. On, yeah. un, untold stories. Right. Yeah, it's 37 minutes and 44 seconds long. This song. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, there's. I mean, obviously, the entire event, they would have footage that they could draw from. If they yeah. filmed, I mean, 120 hours. Yeah, there's there's some acts that they didn't get everything, you know, uh, but I think they've got all the sound for every for everybody. Right, right. Yeah, but all right, yeah, that, that was so, cool. Woodstock that was, that was a fun little a fun little trip to Woodstock. So, uh, so this is interesting, uh, uh, Raymond. I have to say, for so as far as our martini goes, this is a really interesting situation because you picked two movies where the directors essentially only made one real feature film. Uh, I will will say this, that Michael Wadley did one other feature film and in a, in a bizarre, truly bizarre piece of synchronicity, I actually bought the movie poster of the movie this week. And And I, and I I got it. I just, I, I saw, I read this and I, my, my jaw dropped. Because I'm like, how can this even be possible? Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. No way. He did Wolfen? That's the only other film he directed. Holy Not Michael Wadley. Yep. No. That was directed by... uh... Holy shit. Go ahead. Give me another werewolf movie and who you think it's directed by. Wolfen. Wolfen takes me back. Holy crap. I had that poster hanging on my wall when I was in high school and I absolutely loved it. And I will tell you a story that I thought the poster was really cool when I saw it, but I saw it up close the first time. Yeah. And it wasn't until I hung it on my wall and turned around and looked at it that I realized it was a fucking eye and it blew my mind. (laughs) I I like this movie. I I completely forgot he directed this. Yep. This was the this was the third entry in Werewolf Summer. Did you ever read the book? Yes, I did. I had the novelization. It's a crazy book. Yep. Who wrote crazy that book? book? I don't oh, remember. Boy, I have no idea. I have it on my shelf somewhere in my in my bedroom, but uh, I don't know. Um, I don't remember. It's obscure because it's. Uh, I think it's an adaptation. It's not Whitley a, Strieber. Oh, Whitley Strieber wrote it. Okay, there you go. Which in more synchronicity? Oh. 
close to where Steve is is where he was visited by aliens. Oh, really? Where was he? Where was that? Where did that take place? It's in upstate New York. Uh, yeah, upstate's a big place, upstate, believe me. But, upstate's uh, anything not in Manhattan in New York. So, all right. Well, uh, let's. Try. I thought he, I thought that was much further further up, but I could be wrong. No, you are right. It's, I thought it was um, like up up like a like further north in the Catskills and all that area. No, he's still alive. Um, Whitley Striber is it Striber or Strieber? Strieber. Um, uh, it took place in. Uh, uh, that was communion, right? Yeah. That was the book that got me into the paranormal. And also the book that got me out of it. Um, <laughs> where is, why don't they have, uh, this is pretty shitty. This is a terrible Wikipedia page. It is. Uh, yeah, it's got nothing about the. Uh... I can't remember. I, can't, I, I, I don't know why I can't think of um, uh, the town. Because I like, I was so into this when it was going on. Um. Yeah, so I don't know where the fuck he's from. Yeah, and the, and the thing for the movie, it doesn't say either. It just says, on a trip in the family cottage in the woods is all it says. But anyway, I just thought that that was really strange that, like, the only other movie this guy directed, I literally have a, a, a one sheet delivered to my house, like, four days before this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. Because I saw it, I'm like, oh, what else has this guy done? And it's like, oh, it's like the only thing. Is, oh, I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. There's <laughs> no way that that's that. Sure enough, look at that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun thing. But yeah, it's, you know, neither of these guys. Um, uh, it's funny, the connections uh, with Michael Wadley, because he was the cinematographer. He's mostly a cinematographer. He was a cinematographer on Scorsese's very first film, uh, who's that knocking on my door? And so mm -hmm. obviously that was where he knew Scorsese and right. and and uh, they went to film school together. I think. Oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. And then when they worked together on uh, on obviously on the on the Woodstock documentary, but um, the thing with uh, with uh, with Thelma Schoonmaker, what's really funny about that is so if you look at Thelma Schoonmaker's list of film credits on her imdb page every single film credit on her list is a scorsese movie except for two films one is woodstock which she worked with scorsese as an editor and the other one is a movie we watched a couple weeks ago grace of my heart oh wow which scorsese produced yeah <laughs> She had she she hasn't done stuff for other directors. No, and and in fact, when she worked on his his early stuff and with him, you know, he wanted to hire her much earlier, and apparently, she couldn't because she was not in the she could she claimed she could not get in the union, hmm. and it wasn't until Raging Bull that all of a sudden her union card showed up, and she says to this day she doesn't know how that was arranged or what happened to make it happen. But he said, all of a sudden her, her, her act or her editors guild or whatever uh, card arrived. And she was then able from that point on to work. And she's done obviously every one of his movies ever since, but that's, 
in that those earlier films are not edited by her because she couldn't, she was a non-union editor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But and I'd love to know the reasoning, what the reasoning was behind her not being allowed to be, not being able to get in the union either. But apparently she claims, she claims that Scorsese had offered on multiple occasions to go to the guild. And she's like, no, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. She thinks that at the end of the day, that it was, um, she thinks that it was uh, Al Pacino who who eventually is the one who made the call. Oh. So. Why Al Pacino? Some dirt. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. That's some dirt being dished. Right? There. right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Well, know. guys, I'm going to have to get off. So. Um... TMI. <laughs> <laughs> If, um, but, but glad it's still going on. <laughs> Raymond, thanks so much for uh, for coming and welcome us again. If you want, if you're, if you're, you know, want to have me on again, I'll throw you some more. No, no, you, 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 you always uh, put together a, a great couple of films for us. So I'm, I'll be, we'll be very happy to have you back. It might be, a, it might be a, a little bit a longer stretch this time because we kind of jumped okay. into. To, to weeks so we can make sure and get this show as, as it is i'm gonna have to have to throw this ahead in the editing queue to make sure that it actually comes out in time with the uh the anniversary of woodstock or at least try to just like 15th 16th woodstock, and 17th yeah <laughs> just like woodstock out of order very nicely uh, done if you up, weren't Blake. if you weren't yelling that would have been funny um oh, it's funny it was funny to me, but when you no, it was funny. It was funny to me as well. But when you were yelling it, it clipped you out. The microphone clipped off. Well, use your wizardry and fix it. Well, I can only no. Your microphone clipped off, not mine. Well, you could still fix it. No, not if I didn't. Guys, not if it guys, didn't record the sound. You're both pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hassan. No problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Moral support. Yeah. <laughs> Raymond, oh. take care, buddy. Good to see you. Thanks so much. Hi, Raymond. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Thank you for your Raymond. Have a good night. Always buddy. fun. See ya. Right. See ya. Bye. Take care. <laughs> so, thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Congress III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and drug-fueled music festival Portisan maintenance engineer, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.